0: thank you for the inspiring uh, praise time. It is wonderful that we come together like this uh, in person. How wonderful it is to see people uh, in the pew, you know, standing up here, speaking to preaching to the empty sanctuary was not easy. Uh, You you know, we human beings, uh, we are, Yes, so we are not just physical being; we are spiritual being. But at the same time, the physical being and spiritual being, being are not separate; they are deeply connected. When we are not uh, physically together, we don't feel the energy. Uh, and then, when we see people, when I mean uh, that, that we get new energy after uh, KSM service. KSM, since it has more uh, number. Uh, we just restrict to to, to the, uh, the odd number districts, and after the service, uh, this uh, one our, uh, old lady uh, came to me uh, with tears in her eyes, and then she told me, Reverend Moksanim, you know, I was not in the church, I was in heaven. <laughs> she loved it so much, and the last time we had a brief uh, uh, open uh, opening. Uh, On the way home, all the way home, she said she cried uh, because it it is so important to meet people, to be together physically and have uh, worship together. So I'm so glad that we start having this uh, uh, in-person service. Uh, So once we open up uh, in September maybe, uh, we'll have uh, lots of uh, energy, excitement, and I told the council members today, you know, worship, if you don't give all the way, that's not worship. Worship is always, you give everything. You give all the way. You don't just sit around and observe the worship. Only way to worship is give all our heart, our soul, our body, and our strength, and our uh, praise, and and everything, uh, and then worship God. That's what worship is. And God gave us this beautiful worship as a gift, as a, uh, as a blessing for our, all of us to live our lives with confidence and strength. And this worship gives us that kind of strength to live uh, our lives. Jesus gave us a wonderful parable. Uh, the kingdom of God is as if... Someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed will sprout and grow. He does not know how. He does not know how. That phrase strikes me. It inspires me. It gives me a sense of freedom. I don't need to Know everything. I don't need to control everything that I do. I don't need to control the result. So it gives me the sense, gives me a sense of freedom. I'm not talking about laziness of not preparing thoroughly and just expecting a good result. I'm not talking about that kind of laziness. I'm talking about for those who are really working so hard, they realize how important it is to believe that the the result is not always up to you, because they always feel that, I've not done enough. The people who did not really give everything that they have, uh, they cannot have this kind of sense, but all those people really working hard uh, for something, they have this sense, I have not done enough, but they learn that. The result, it's not, we don't need to control the result all the time. That gives them and that gives us a sense of freedom. We cannot control
1: everything in life.
0: We're trying to live a good life and we hope that through our good life, God's kingdom may be built But we don't know how the kingdom of God is built out of our life. Nobody knows. What Jesus is trying to say is this. You are not the one who builds the kingdom of God. It is God himself who builds the kingdom of God. The
1: key is God, not you. The kingdom of God is about God. And the kingdom of God is not about you. That's
0: why St. Paul said this. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. It's not about you. Whether you're Paul or Apollos, But only God, only God who gives the strength. Jesus lived like that. That was his life principle. When he lived, I mean, he was not a lazy person. He was diligent. He did everything. He was so busy from early in the morning until evening. He always worked so hard, but he always let God work through him. He didn't work all by himself. He always learned to, he let God work through him. I hope that you learned that. In your life, you may work hard, but the important thing is you let God work through you. We are not God. Let us not try to be God. We don't know what the final Outcome of the kingdom of God will be like, and how God will bring about that outcome. I mean, we sang praise uh, today about that too. We don't know that. What is the implication of this truth about our life? We don't know, and we don't control the outcome, the, the end product. What is the implication? of that about our life. I think once you understand that truth, that will give you tremendous confidence. Even when you fall, even when you fail, you will have that confidence to rise again and to pick up what is left and move on and go on. We do our best
1: to live a good life. I mean, one life
0: we live, and we want to live a good life. But sometimes, we feel that even our best is not good enough. We all feel that. We don't see the result, and when we don't see the result, we get anxious. We get discouraged. And Sometimes we even lose hope for going further. We say to ourselves,
1: what's the point? The problem is so
0: big. What's the point of the little things that I do? The world will move in the way that they want, and I'm a small person. What's the point of doing anything to change the world? Sometimes we feel that. But when we believe that, ultimately, God will bring about the mysterious results in the way that we don't know. Listen to St. Paul and see his attitude towards his life. We know that all things work together for good, ultimately. For those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. God will ultimately shape a good life out of you. We are broken vessels. And yet, God brings good life out of these broken vessels. Don't be mistaken. Not because you're good, you produce a good life. Don't be mistaken. Not because you're a good vessel that God put his treasure in you.
1: And that's what St. Paul discovered.
0: Until he met Christ, he didn't realize that. He thought that, oh, God's kingdom will be established because I'm good. And God, used, God uses me because I'm good. And through my greatness, I want to reveal God's greatness. That's how he lived. But he realized after meeting Christ, he realized that he was only a broken vessel. Clay jar. This is what he said. But we have this treasure in clay jar so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. He understood this truth. I'm only a broken vessel and clay jar, having a lot of cracks, but somehow God put treasure. Not because I'm a beautiful uh, Jar, God put his treasure, but even though I'm a broken vessel with a lot of cracks, God put his treasure in that jar, and that jar becomes precious. He said more clearly, even when he uh, understood about resurrection, he thought that at first resurrection is a reward for his good work. He understood about the nature of resurrection. I mean, resurrection is a centerpiece for Paul's thinking. And then that reflects what Paul thinks about the whole life. He thinks of resurrection in this way. Let me read it for you. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it is sown as physical body it is raised as spiritual body. That was his life philosophy even resurrection not because he sowed a eternal good things that uh, he uh, brought about the resurrection. We sow what is dishonorable, and yet God brought about the glorious things out of that unhonorable, dishonorable things. And Jesus, into this parable, there are actually two parables. The first parable that we don't know. The second parable he could, uh, more, clearly articulates what Paul is uh, uh, talking about. Jesus said this, It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. The smallest seed of all the seeds on earth have you seen the mustard seed i have seen it it is so small that i needed reading glasses to be able to see that seed smallest seed what does that mean it means very insignificant almost invisible so insignificant so insignificant that you cannot even see it but when it is sown It grows and becomes the greatest of all the trees and the birds of the air come and take a rest. But we don't know how that happens. We don't know how the smallest seed becomes the big tree where birds come and rest. Often, when we see ourselves, we see only The smallest seed. I don't know about you, but often I feel that. When I read the news and when I uh, do ministry, I feel so small. I feel so powerless. And I feel I'm so insignificant. We see ourselves very small and insignificant. Sometimes we feel even worthless.
1: But don't ever forget that the smallest seed has a potential,
0: the potential to grow. That's what seed is. It has life potential. That's why Jesus
1: used seed as an example.
0: The reason we see only the smallest seed, I mean, we see that we are the smallest seed, but when we we look at only the smallest seed, the reason we, we are doing that is because we have eyes of fear. Eyes of fear. Last Wednesday, uh, right now on Wednesday, I do uh, the uh, uh, people study. And then last Wednesday, we studied uh, David. Uh, And last Wednesday, I uh, told them, uh, we reflected on David. Even though he was merely an insignificant shepherd boy, but when he met the gigantic Goliath, Somehow David had this inner confidence that he could defeat that gigantic Goliath because David lived his life not with eyes of fear, but with the eyes of faith. That's what he had. So what he saw was different from all other people. Recently, as uh, 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 I mean, uh, whenever we think about these stories, uh, uh, I get emotional, but recently, we have witnessed two terrible events. One is the discovery of the remnant uh, remains of 215 uh, indigenous uh, children but it's not just 215 uh, children. Uh, There are uh, 4,000 missing children. You don't know where you may find more of these bones in all of the place. We are confronted again with the evil that was done to the indigenous people in this country. They have been saying all this time. There were several Truth and Reconciliation uh, conference and meetings, and they share their uh, very difficult stories with the world. Just think about how you feel when when your children are taken away without your consent. Against your will, and some of them never come home. All those young parents who have children, think about your children are taken away against your will and never come
1: home. I was thinking about
0: my own grandchildren. Another story is what happened in London, Ontario. Oh, whole, whole family had a wonderful evening walking together, chatting. The husband was a physiotherapist, wife was studying, wanted to study uh, uh, the, the PhD. They were chatting about their dreams and then how beautiful today is, how nice it is uh, for us to be able to walk. And the whole family was massacred except a nine-year-old boy. And I said, how is he going to
1: survive now without grandparents, parents, siblings? all by himself. The killer
0: intentionally killed them by mowing them with his truck simply because, simply because they're Muslim, simply because. What a crazy world and what a crazy
1: idea. When I heard the story, I cried deep inside.
0: I asked why, why? And I felt so helpless and powerless. When we hear stories like this, we feel so helpless and powerless. And if we have temptation. To say to ourselves, oh, it's a reality. We just have to accept that as a reality. No, I won't do that. I won't just accept it
1: as the reality. I will never lose hope for the goodness of humanity. When God created the human beings, God said, good. I believe that
0: ultimately someday that good that God declared will be restored. I'll never lose hope for that.
1: I was helpless, but I'll never be hopeless. Sometimes we feel helpless, but we will never
0: be hopeless. The lead singer of the group Tragically Hip, Gord Downey, produced an album, Secret Path, and he did this project. Inspired by the story of a young boy, Chani Wenjak. He was 12 year old Ojibwe boy who died, attempting to run away from the residential school in Kenora to his home about 600 kilometers away. He couldn't stand being in residential school all by himself 12-year-old boy tried to go home, which, is, which was 600 kilometers away. But on the way, he died. So Gold Downey, remembering him, inspired by him, he did this project to raise $100 million. Gold Downey
1: used his gift and talent,
0: he didn't give up. Our parable today tells us not to quit, not to give up. Simply because if we don't know the result, do not quit. Simply because we are the smallest seed, do not quit simply because we don't see the result right away, do not quit. We should continuously spread the seed, even though we do not know the result. We may not change the whole world, but we will keep sowing the good seed. That's what we can do. We will sow and wait I mean, that's, that was a spirit we had when we uh, raised the fund for the nursing home, Rose of Sharon. We, say, we often say that power corrupts. And the absolute power corrupts absolutely. But also, don't ever forget that powerlessness also corrupts. This, is, this was uh, what a Canadian ri- writer Mary Jo Letty said in her article. This is what she said. We are tempted by power, and it corrupts our family life, our church life, our social life. But even more significantly, I think we are tempted by powerlessness, and powerlessness corrupts. Our sense of powerlessness cannot give us an excuse to give up doing what is good. Sometimes we ask ourselves, who am I? What's the point? I will just take care of my family. I will just take care of the small church that we are part of. I will just do whatever I want. And beyond that, I don't even have power. I I cannot do anything. And we just... Enjoy or entertain that powerlessness, and that is a corruption when we don't do anything about it. Powerlessness can corrupt you. Sometimes powerlessness makes us very selfish, very small, and keep us very small. The system is too big, and I'm nobody. I have no talent. We see challenges too big for us to handle. Yes, we all feel that.
1: Nobody's exempt from feeling that. Everybody feels that. That's what life is like. We always feel small and insignificant
0: compared to the problem that we face. But let us not make that as an excuse not to do what is right. God will use the seed we
1: sow. God will make the seed grow.
0: We don't know how, but God will do it. But if you don't, sow the seed. Even God cannot do anything about it. If you don't spread the seed, even God cannot do anything about it. In the second parable, Jesus said, it is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seed on, on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs.
1: Faith is not
0: believing what you can see. Faith is believing what you cannot see. Faith is not believing what you can do. Faith is believing what you cannot do. So today's parable has a tremendous implication for our life. Hebrew writer said this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When we spread a seed, let us believe that God will make it grow. The result is not in our hands. We don't control it. God does it. That's why we don't give up. That's why we don't don't lose hope. We spread a seed and wait. And the waiting is not merely killing time. We wait with hope. When you wait with hope, when you wait with faith, that waiting is our resistance to accept things as they are. That is our resistance. That's what waiting is. If you don't have hope, you don't wait. You give up. But we wait. Because we hope and we have faith. There are always people who choose to hate those who are different from them, whether racially or whatever reason. There are people always who hate those who are different from them. But I won't Accept that as it is. I want to accept that as part of reality for me to accept. It will spread the seed of love, seed of peace, seed of harmony, and seed of understanding. That's what we will do. They may not do it, but that's what we will do. Nobody may do it, but we will we Christians will do that. I don't just believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in Jesus teaching. We sow the seed and wait. Sometimes we feel helpless, but we are never hopeless. There's hope within us. And this is hope that I, not hope that I created. It is a hope that God gave me. That hope is within me. That hope will save me. And that hope will come to be realized someday because see what God gave me. It's not up to me. It is God who gave me that hope and that hope will be realized and God will do that. And with hope, I will spread a seed and wait. When we understand this truth, Our life will be different. We can live with confidence. We are not going to just just sucking our wounds or sucking or what again? Licking Licking our wounds. (laughs) You don't suck the wounds. We lick the wounds. We won't just uh, lick our wounds. We are not just going to make our uh, powerlessness as an excuse just to sit around it and just enjoy it, and uh, the, the little juice that we have. We'll continuously sow the seed and we'll fight the good fight. But end, the ultimate end, we'll leave it up to God. God will use it. When we live uh, with this kind of attitude for the rest of our lives, Maybe some the future in the future for you, not for me that much, but uh, ultimately in the future, when you face your last time on earth, you can leave your life in God's hands. You've done your best. And God will call us, come, my faithful servant. Let us sing together.